Welcome back, everyone, to another episode of the Educational AD. Um, and we want to make sure we welcome all of you. Uh, we also want to give a shout out to our partners, the Global Community of Women in High School Sports, Vital Signs Wall of Fame, We Coach, and the Florida Coaches Coalition. You've heard me say before that these are four great organizations. You really should add them to your network. And now, don't fast forward. Spend about the next three and a half minutes with us as we give our sponsors their shout out. These are all great companies that you should have working for you. So here we go. Please stay with us. We want to say thanks to Huddle for their support of the podcast. Go to huddle.com. Change the way you see the game. As a football coach, I used Huddle for years and it was just fantastic. But when I became a athletic director, I made sure our school was a huddle school and our coaches and our athletes just loved the tools that huddle provided for us to help them perform at the highest level. At huddle, we believe in sports and teams believe in huddle. Go to huddle.com, join the 6 million users, turn your school into a huddle school. We also want to say thanks to Gipper Go to Gipper.com and see how ADs and coaches are creating world-class marketing content for their school's social media channel. You can do it in seconds on any device and you don't need any design experience. That's Gipper.com. We also want to say thanks to Snap Mobile. Go to SnapRaise.com. Check out their entire suite of platforms designed to help you do your job better. Among them, you're going to find SnapRaise, their fundraising platform, which we used at our school with tremendous success. Our coaches loved it, our parents loved it, and it works. They even have a program where they will give you your funding before you actually start your fundraiser. I don't think anybody else offers that. You can find out more by going to snapraise.com. That's snapraise.com. We also want to say thanks to Sideline Interactive, indoor score tables and video boards. Go to sidelineinteractive.com. Schedule a live web demo to see their tables and their scoreboards in action. It's probably one of the best purchases I've ever made as an athletic director. Their products not only generate income for your department, but they also create the ultimate game day experience for your student athletes. That's sidelineinteractive.com. Schedule that demonstration today. We also want to say thank you to a new sponsor. I want you to all go to District One. Dot com. That's districtwon.com for a better uniform experience. And you're going to feel like you've won because District 1 offers you full custom premium uniforms with on-time delivery in 20 business days or less. And you can order one-at-a-time replacements, so there's no need to ever replace a full set just when you need to order one or two. Stop dealing with late deliveries and go to district1.com. That's W-O-N on the back end. Click the team gear button for your free quote, district1.com. We also want to thank Wall of Fame by Vital Signs. Their mission is to bring your school's legacy to life. If you're looking for a really cool way to display your school's record boards or your school's Hall of Fame, or simply tell more compelling stories to engage your community, go to vitalsignswalloffame.com. Check out their great products. And when you're ready to buy, use the link 
vitalsignswalloffame.com slash Jake, and you'll get a nice discount. Bring your school's legacy to life. Vital Signs Wall of Fame. We also want to say thank you to Hometown Ticketing, the leading digital ticketing provider to schools and colleges. Go to hometownticketing.com. They're going to show you how to set up and sell tickets online for all of your events, not just your athletic events, but things like school plays and concerts, school dances, even graduation. But the best part, Hometown's going to provide you with a dedicated client success manager. It's going to give you hands-on support every step of the way. That's every step of the way. Go to hometownticketing.com and get started. Simple and easy online ticketing. And we want to thank Athletic Surveys by Lifetrack. Go to athleticsurveys.com. They're a simple and easy way to create a device to collect valuable data about your athletic program. ADs typically only hear from the complainers, uh, but we need to hear back from the 98% that love and support our program, and that's where Athletic Surveys comes in. They're going to create that custom survey that'll help you take the pulse of your parents and your student athletes. And that's a tremendously valuable tool to have when you're talking to a squeaky wheel parent or your principal or your school board. Go to athleticsurveys.com. Get started today. Athleticsurveys.com. Welcome back, everyone, to another episode of the Educational AD Podcast got a really cool guest today. Uh, we're going to be visiting with Lauren Ammon. She is a uh, former uh, state champion and division one swimmer. Uh, she now works with athletes, with teams, uh, coaches, athletic directors, even parents through her organization called Performance Imagined. Uh, she's going to talk to us today about, you know, mindset and mental performance and all sorts of cool things. But uh, Lauren Ammon, welcome to the Educational AD Podcast. Oh, Jake, thanks you, thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited to be here. Well, you and I were connected uh, by a mutual friend. And uh, I, again, this has been on our schedule for a while. Uh, so let's go ahead and jump right in. We always like to let our listeners have a chance to get to know our guests. So give us that quick bio, where you were born, where you grew up, uh, take us through those high school and in college years, uh, then we'll take a quick break and then come back and uh, hear more about uh, Performance Imagined. But what's the Lauren Ammon uh, origin story? Yeah, well, it's Performance Reimagined, and that and that is very um, intentional. Oh, but anyway, no, that's okay. Hey, no big deal. Uh, grew up in Cincinnati, Ohio. Who day? Uh, huge Cincinnati sports teams fan. Uh, I started swimming when I was five years old, as the story goes, I do not remember this part, but my mom says that, uh, I was at my older sister's swim meets. I was constantly asking for snacks and just running around with an exorbitant amount of energy. And she just said, okay, you're going to start doing this as well. <laughs> so she, as she said that she threw me into the pool and the rest, as they say, is history. I swam for the same club team from the age of six until I graduated from high school. So I also swam for my high school team. And that is where I received or was awarded a state champion in the 500 yard freestyle. And then I went to Eastern Michigan University on a full ride where I specialized or continued to specialize in the distance events. So 
whenever someone asks me what I swam, I always say, well, I swam what Katie Ledecky swims. She just swims it a lot faster. Uh, so it was the 800, the 400, the 1500, or if you're doing yardage, the 500, the 200, the 1650, all of those good things. And it was the time of my life. I loved every single minute of being in that pool. Um, again, I always love hearing these stories. And uh, uh, as an athletic director, you know, I had a, a one school I was at, we had a pretty successful swim team. Um, it, it just amazed me, particularly for those distance events, um, how uh, at our school, I'm sure it was the same for you, you know, your teammates would stick those uh, lap counters down mm -hmm. into the water so they could see how many laps. It was always something like 85 or 72 laps left, uh, seemed way more than what I was interested in swimming. Um, what are some memories from uh, those high school days as a competitive swimmer or even the youth days? Yeah. Talking about this the other day, and and I, I count myself very lucky in terms of being a swimmer and being on a club team for so long. You know, swimming is one of the few sports, particularly as you get into high school, um, even on the club level, that you're swimming with both boys and girls. Um, you know, oftentimes by the time you've reached high school, you're swimming in your separate teams. And on our club team, it was always boys and girls. And I really, really appreciated that experience. And it wasn't until I was done with it that I really appreciated it. It was always that opportunity not only to be connected with the female swimmers, but also from a male swimmer standpoint of like, hey, how can I try to keep up with them today? Or how can I, you know, how, how can I compete with them? And for me, that was always a good motivator. Um, but it also created an opportunity to learn how to communicate more effectively, learn how to, you know, be empathetic and understanding from all sides of the equation. And I just remember being so connected to all of my teammates and how amazing the experience was. And we often still talk about that today of that we've all haven't found that connectedness from that particular club team and what we gained from that. But to answer that question, I remember just laughing a lot and connecting with all of them, male, female, and everything in between and how much that actually added to my own performance. Well, uh, again, my idea of swimming is, uh, you know, jumping in the pool, you know, jumping right out again, laying in the sun, uh, you know, swimming laps it was never, uh, you know, anything. So, you know, I very much admire uh, people with that sort of stick to itiveness. Um, I was a football and track guy. And, yeah. uh, you know, it's, it's funny that you mentioned that. I, I was just uh, in a Facebook conversation with uh, somebody I went to high school with 100 years ago. Uh, and she brought up, you know, those high school track practices where both teams were on the yeah. track and uh, th there was just a, a lot of uh, fun banter uh, along with, you know, some hard practices going on that uh, I I'm going to say outside of swimming and track and field, I don't know if you find that. Yeah. And, and I say that too, I went to an all girls high school. So I certainly, you know, from a high school standpoint, was only swimming with girls, but yeah, I mean, I know there are other sports. I just can't think of any, uh, but it really does add to the experience and, it, and it's, you, you get to the point where you're looking at the person, right? It's not guy or girl or whatever the case may be, but it's, you know, looking at that athlete and be admiring what they bring to the table and either figuring out, Hey, how can I emulate that? Or, Hey, just let them have the spotlight, go after it and do their thing. And while in college, we were two separate teams, uh, we did practice 
right around the same time. And so you kind of still had that feeling, but we always competed as teams, right? We, we traveled together as teams. So even in college, it still felt like it was that very large, very diverse and inclusive team. And I loved that part of it. Let's go and talk about college. You were a high school state champion, you know, D1 recruit. Um, you know, how was that transition for you? Did you just come in and start to slay all the upperclassmen uh, in times? Uh, was it a struggle? Uh, you know, what was your college experience like? Yeah, I would say that from a club team experience, looking at it from a work ethic standpoint, I was very well prepared. Uh, you know, I swam for one of the most successful teams in Ohio at the time. And so I was no stranger to really hard practices, really long practices. And so that part of the transition wasn't hard. It was all of the other stuff, right? So no longer was my family immediately there. You know, I, I live in Cincinnati, Ohio, Eastern Michigan's about mm, four hours away, close enough, uh, but far enough away that they weren't always there. And yeah, there was a little bit of that, you know, at least coming in as a freshman of like, hey, I know there's seniors and upperclassmen and it's all about, you know, showing the respect, you know, and, and, and what they deserve in terms of being there. But at the same time, you know, sometimes when you are a freshman and you are a little bit maybe on the faster end of the spectrum and potentially taking some of their spots, that can get really uncomfortable. And there were times when it was really uncomfortable in terms of how to, how to navigate those relationships. You know, do you say something out loud? Do you just let it go? You know, being 18, I think I just let it go and was like, I'm just going to swim. That's all I'm going to hear to do. Um, but that was part of the rough transition is like finding your spot in a brand new team. Again, I had been on the same club team for 12, maybe 13 seasons. So it's like, I knew where I was in that group and going into college, it was kind of like, okay, well now I kind of have to start over, figure out where I fit into this group and what I bring to the table while also being respectful of whatever everybody else brings to the table. Yeah, again, it, it it's tricky and things are obviously, you know, from when I was in high school to when, you know, you were in high school and college, you know, you're obviously much younger than me, but still you, uh, for kids today, you know, whether we want to call it Generation Z, it's, it's just a different environment. Uh, we're going to talk more about that uh, in our later segments. For our listeners today, our guest is Lauren Ammon, and she's the founder of Performance Reimagined. Uh, we're going to take a deeper dive into that later on, but let's go and take our first break. This is the Educational AD Podcast. We want to say thanks to Huddle for their support of the podcast. Go to Huddle and change the way you see the game. As a football coach, I used Huddle for years and it was just fantastic. But when I became an athletic director, I made sure our school was a Huddle school and our coaches and our student athletes really loved the tools that Huddle provided that allowed them to compete at their highest level. Go to huddle.com and see why we believe in sports and teams believe in Huddle. Join the 6 million users and turn your school into a Huddle school. We also want to say thank you to Gipper. Go to gipper.com and see how athletic directors and coaches are creating world-class marketing content for their school's social media channel. Student athletes today, they're online, they're on social media. And if you're not, you're really missing out. Uh, go to gipper.com, start creating great content for your athletic department's social media. Promote those athletes, those teams, those coaches, even yourself. That's gipper.com. Check them out today. 
Welcome back, everyone. We're visiting today with Lauren Ammon, the founder of Performance Reimagined. Lauren, uh, you shared with our listeners, you know, your high school, a little bit of your, you know, your college competitive experience. But on your website, and again, that website is Performance Reimagined, you do a really great job of sharing the story of how you were led to creating it. So can you take our listeners through that process? Yeah. So I, I will say it does kind of stem from when I retired from swimming. And there was this moment uh, when I was a senior in college and wasn't going anywhere beyond that, where I left the sport and had this nagging thought in my mind of, Ugh, while I was very successful, I'm not going to take away any of what I accomplished. I felt I had more to give. And it was more on the mental side of the game. And that was always the biggest hurdle for me as I was a perfectionist. I always needed to be perfect every time I, I jumped in the pool, despite if I was, you know, in the midst of really hard practices or taper, right? It didn't matter. I always felt the need and desire to, to swim as fast as I possibly could at any moment. And so I went into my adult life, you know, went and got my master's, went into corporate America, kind of did the traditional thing. And I still constantly had this nagging feeling, um, you know, corporate America just wasn't my space. And I went and got my professional coaching certification, kind of just wanting to reinvigorate my life and my world. And I did that after about a year, got my professional coaching certification, started my business. I was really focused on leadership development, career transition, because my professional career was in human resources. Fast forward, had done a lot of good work in that space, but it still wasn't completely fulfilling. And it was the summer of the 2020 Olympics, which we all know was a year behind schedule. And it was, you know, going into it, and this is part of the story that I don't necessarily always tell, like going into it, I just had this nagging feeling that there was just something disjointed among Team USA. And partly because of what we had all just gone through, right? I mean, these, these superior athletes had just missed out on such a significant portion of training. But anyway, so we go into, into the Olympics and it was the night that Simone Biles removed herself from competition. And the way that the Olympics were being televised, we all knew about that in the morning and then was going to be able to see it at night. And so, you know, Instagram and all social media was ablaze in terms of what her decision was all about. So I was sitting there watching that and just watching her facial expressions cut to Katie Ledecky swimming the 1500 for the first time that women ever got to swim it at the Olympics. And she won gold, but she was about 20 seconds off of her world record. And so for anybody who knows about swimming, it's like, yes, you want the medal, but you also want the time to reflect that. You want both of those things to come together. And as she got out of the pool, you could tell that there was some emotion behind it and, and understandably, right? And she grabbed a mask and she was trying to put it into her eyes so that no one was seeing any tears that may come. And she was deflecting interviews um, and I just sat there almost heartbroken of like, you know, these are very, very emotional moments. And it felt like both of those athletes couldn't emote effectively. And then cut to Michael Phelps, who was being interviewed by Mike Tirico, Mike Tirico at the time. And anybody who knows Michael Phelps knows that he's a big, big proponent of mental well-being among athletes. And he said something that just forever changed my life and my perspective. And it was, you know, we just want someone to talk to. We just want someone who listens, who allows us to be vulnerable and doesn't want to fix us. And it was that moment that I started getting emotional. It was like, here's the most successful Olympian telling the world, I 
there's still room for all of us. You know, there are resources that we want, that we need, that we desire, that even at the highest level, we're not getting. And it was just this aha moment of, oh my gosh, this is how all of my life comes together from being an athlete to being in corporate America, to getting my professional coaching certification and being able to support athletes on the side of the game that requires the most attention, but gets very little of it. Yeah. Uh, again, I, I think someone from my, um, you know, somebody my age, okay. That, uh, you know, went to high school and college in the seventies and just, you know, grew up in that era. It was certainly a different conversation. Well, it wasn't even a different conversation. It was a conversation that had never taken place, uh, during our time. Uh, and as you know, somebody, let's say who's a teacher and a coach, and I think my athletes would say, you know, I was kind of a hard nosed type of coach. Um, still you're, you're trying to help young people. You're trying to help student athletes get better, you know, on the field, on the court, in the pool and, and in their lives. But uh, I think at that moment, a significant amount of, let's say America, they weren't ready to hear that. You know, they, they didn't want to see their heroes with, uh, you know, uh, challenges or less than perfect uh was that your take as well i welcomed it uh mm -hmm. partially because i believe that vulnerability is a huge sign of strength and and someone too so i i growing up in high school and in college in the late 90s early 2000s yes our conversations of when we were in our prime were different but I still think a little bit of like, you're fine, just move forward, just get over it. You're, you know, whatever. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I think what we've done as a society is that, you know, we, we look up to these athletes because they demonstrate such amazing talent and grit and all these things. And it's like, we've, we've mistakenly or, or unconsciously put them on a pedestal, forgetting that they're human. You know, they feel, think, worry, doubt, fear, as much as the rest of us, it's, it's that we, like equate this physical prowess with mental prowess. And right. then it's like this, like, well, wait a minute. Why wouldn't they be mentally strong as they are as physically strong? Well, because sometimes those two things aren't, they don't come together equally in the same package. And particularly as you grow and get the higher levels, right? And, and someone said this the other day, and I forget what conversation it was, but it was like, you become lonelier the higher you go mm -hmm. in sport right because there's fewer and fewer athletes who reach that level and so it becomes like this pressure cooker of well I'm at the highest level I've obviously can do it physically and then athletes tell themselves well if I can do it physically I must be able to do it mentally or I have to do it mentally or everyone around me seems to be doing it much better than me mentally so what might be wrong with me if I can't do it right that's where I think it's you know, we, we've got, we, we have the opportunity to look at the whole human. Yes. They have this elite physical talent that doesn't always translate to elite mental or emotional talent simply because we don't necessarily talk a lot about that, uh, in any circle, but honestly. <laughs> no, and, and it's such a, it, it's such an obvious point, but it's one that's missed by, by all of us that, you know, we, we all have things that we're good at, you know, we're not good at everything. And the elite athlete is no different. You know, hey, they're very good at this, but it, it doesn't mean that they're 
uh, and again, this is someone else's quote, Superman or Superwoman, uh, in in all things in their life. Yeah, you know, great stuff. You know, appreciate you sharing that. We're going to talk more about that uh, in our later segments. Uh, for our listeners, our guest today is Lauren Ammon, um, former uh, elite athlete, retired elite athlete. We'll put it that way. Uh, and now she's the founder of Performance Reimagined. We're going to get to that, what it is and why it's important for ADs and coaches. Uh, but let's go and take another break. This is the Educational AD Podcast. We also want to say thank you to Snap Mobile. Snap Mobile is the parent company of an entire suite of platforms designed to help you do your job better. You've got Snap Connect, Snap Store, Snap Manage, and Snap Raise, which is their fundraising platform. We use Snap Raise at our school with tremendous success. Our coaches loved it. Our parents loved it. It works. It's helped schools just like yours raise over $700 million. They even have a program where they'll give you your funding before you actually do your fundraiser. I don't think anybody else offers that. Go to snapraise.com. Check them out today. That's snapraise.com. We also want to thank Sideline Interactive, indoor scoring tables and video boards. Go to sidelineinteractive.com and schedule a live web demo to see their score tables and their scoreboards in action. It's probably one of the best purchases I ever made as an athletic director. Their products not only generate income for your department, but they also create the ultimate game day experience for your student athletes go to sidelineinteractive.com schedule that live web demo today that's sidelineinteractive.com hey welcome back everyone lauren uh one of the things that i really like about the podcast is it gives me an opportunity to ask you and all of our guests uh, about some of the mentors that they've had in their life none of us get to where we're at on our own. There's usually somebody uh, patting us on the back or kicking us in the butt uh, to help us along the way. So who are some of the mentors that you'd like to give a shout out to? Oh my gosh. So being an athlete for almost 20 years, I think I've counted it up one time. I think I've had 50, almost close to 50 coaches between all of the teams that I was on. I was like, that's a lot, right? The ones that stick out though, I had, when I was a young um like when I was six, seven, eight, uh, coach Susie was one who I remember being that young. And again, you don't necessarily notice it when you're in the moment, particularly at six, seven or eight, cause you're so oblivious to what's going on, but being able to look back at that and how nurturing and inclusive she was in terms of patience, like supporting, I mean, swimming, especially at six, seven, eight years old, isn't the easiest thing on the planet. And to have a coach that can literally just dial it down to the simplest form, she did such a good job of that. Now, looking back in my life, I sincerely appreciate the level of patience that she demonstrated <laughs> in order to support, you know, things like stroke technique. And that's one thing I never experienced a swimming injury in my life. And I attest that to the great coaches I had at the young, at my youngest ages that supported me in figuring out how to literally swim effectively, right? You know, get my stroke down to a, to a point. She was that person. Um, the next one that really stands out to me is coach Eric. He started coaching when I was 11, I was 11 and 12, which was a very um, memorable point in my journey, like right before puberty, like right before all the chaos hit. Um, and he was on the younger end. He was probably only like 26 at the time when he started 
coaching, which at the time seemed like a huge gap, but really wasn't right. Um, he was just coming into his own professionally and giving back to the sport. And he and I just formed such a powerful relationship. It was more like, a, I was going to say brother, sister, but I don't know that that's accurate, nor that it's that sound great, but it was more than coach athlete, right? He truly understood me as a person and learned how to push and pull and prod and pick for me specifically, right? He didn't always give everything he gave to me to other people. And that really meant something for me. He also recognized that as an endurance athlete, sometimes I actually needed extra and as annoying and frustrating as it was at the time to always be kept late and do all these extra things. I, I sincerely appreciate him knowing me as an individual. And he left um, when I, like I had two years as an 11, 12, he left and then he came back my freshman year in high school and it was the best, you know, just to, he had grown a little bit. I had grown a little bit, but that relationship was super, super powerful for me. Uh, outside of swimming, it was my very first boss. Her name is Karen. Um, again, one of those people that saw me for me, uh, she really tried to dial into who I was as an individual and what really, how to get the most performance out of me in the professional world. That was a big shift for me going from swimming to corporate America. I thought it would be easy, not so much. Uh, and she helped kind of bridge that gap for me and, and was able to pull lessons from being an athlete into the professional world. She knew that's what I related to. So she would pick analogies that really supported me in figuring that out, which was super helpful because I felt like a fish out of water in corporate America for the first couple of years. Um, and then most recently as a business owner, uh, Donnie Bovine, I actually met him through social media, right? In the world of 2020, 2021, it was, you know, I had more Zoom conversations with him before I actually met him. And again, running theme, the person who saw me for me, who understands that it isn't just going to be here, let me put out this blanket statement or this blanket prescription and you follow it. He really understands me as an individual and knows that he can push me a little bit farther, maybe a little bit more directly, maybe a little bit harder uh, than others. And he does that for me. So if I, now that I'm saying all these people out loud, the running theme is they met Lauren where Lauren was or is or honored what I bring to the table versus trying to make me something that I'm not or kind of pull on weaknesses to try to make them better. It was kind of like, no, 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 we're just going to set those aside this is an opportunity to capitalize on the natural gifts that you bring to the table. So um, I'm going to ask you a follow-up question to that. And, and it's, mm -hmm. there, it may be a challenging one, or it may be incredibly easy. As you look back over the people that, you know, you shared today, and as you mentioned, there's, you know, hundreds of others. Can you identify maybe a, a common theme from each of them that, you know, makes them in come to that group of yours you know what what did they do alike what did they do similarly that makes them stick out for you um is that too vague no no it just it makes my brain go haywire in all the right kind of ways um what comes up and i think why i was able to develop such real relationships with them is that they were very authentic you know, they owned the highlights of themselves. They also owned the lowlights of themselves. And all of them allowed healthy conflict. And by that, it was 
I felt safe. They created an environment where I felt safe enough to challenge them when I thought it didn't work for me or to challenge them in a way. And that's really, really important for me because for the longest time, one of my biggest inner critics is a people pleaser, right? It's like, make sure everybody else feels good about what's going on. And they allowed the opportunity that they didn't always expect that, nor did they always want it. And they created this environment where it was like, no, I can challenge you. I can call you on your BS and they could call me on my BS, right? I, I really do appreciate when someone's like, okay, Lauren, let's, let's calm down. Let's figure out what's going really going on here. Um, and it's kind of that like snapping out moment. So they all did that really well. And they all, they all fostered resilience. I think they all saw in me that I've been through enough that I know how to get through something, even if I don't see how I can get through it in the moment. Um, but always they're not necessarily pushing their agenda, but allowing me to figure out on my own terms and in my own time. Wow, great uh, great lessons for all of us. Um, for our listeners, our, our guest today is Lauren Ammon. She's the founder of Performance Reimagined. We're going to take another break, and then we're going to let Lauren tell us exactly what Performance Reimagined is and why uh, we should care about it. So please stay with us. We'll be right back. This is the Educational AD Podcast. I want to talk about a brand new sponsor. Uh, go to district1.com. That's districtwon.com for a better uniform experience. And you're going to feel like you've won because District 1 offers you fully custom premium uniforms with on-time delivery in 20 business days or less. You can also order one-at-a-time replacements, so you never have to buy a full set of uniforms when you only need to replace one or two. Stop dealing with late deliveries and go to district1.com. One more time, that's W-O-N on the back end. Click the Team Gear button for your free quote. That's district1.com. We also want to say thanks to uh, Wall of Fame by Vital Signs. You know, they're on a mission to bring your school's legacy to life. If you're looking for a really cool way to display your school records for all the teams, for all the events, or your school's Hall of Fame, go to vitalsignswalloffame.com. Check out their great products, and when you're ready to buy, use the link vitalsignswalloffame.com slash jake, and you'll get a nice discount. Start telling more compelling stories to better engage your audience. Use an interactive touchscreen wall of fame console by vitalsignswalloffame.com. Well, uh, we've been visiting today with Lauren Ammon, a longtime high school college athlete, uh, and now she's the founder of Performance Reimagine working with athletes, coaches, ADs, uh, teams, even parents. Lauren, take our listeners a little bit through, you know, what performance reimagined is, how it works, and then later on we'll we'll take a deeper dive, but uh, I'll just throw it out there. What is performance reimagined? Yeah, so Jake, this is a great question and one that's always evolving, quite honestly. Um, you know, 
When I first started out, right after that Michael Phelps moment or the Katie Ledecky, uh, Simone Biles moment, it was this idea of working with the athletes to train their minds like they train their bodies, to give focus beyond traditional performance of the wins and the losses, right? It's like, how do we look at the entire athlete? How do we look at the human behind the athlete or the human playing the sport? And as we work more and more with athletes and coaches and parents and teams, what we're starting to really, what's coming out is this, this concept of creating a high fulfillment culture. And we're very purposeful about talking about fulfillment versus performance. Performance is kind of the, the table stakes, the entryway, if you will. Uh, but this idea of how do we look at this entire scope, this entire microcosm of athletics and create fulfillment? Because I look back on my experience and yes, there are certain performances I remember, but I remember them because of how I felt. And in those moments, being a state champion, being top three in the Mac, I felt fulfilled. And we often talk about this idea of learning about the process, honoring the process more than the result. In, in pulling in athletes, coaches, ADs, parents, right? To support the athlete, a lot of this came from my idea uh, or my experiences in corporate America. So the, the analogy I always give is when I was in corporate America, I was often uh, tasked with creating manager development programs. So if anybody familiar with the corporate world, right, you've got a manager who's who's learning how to grow and develop in the, into their leadership skin, so to speak. They would go through some table stakes program, and oftentimes it was a great program, but where it fell apart was that the employees, you know, those managing up didn't know what was going on. So they didn't necessarily know how to reinforce it. Top down leader of a manager didn't necessarily know what was going on, didn't know how to reinforce it. So I took that same concept when we were thinking about performance reimagined. And yes, the middle, the, the center of that group is the athlete, how to support the student athlete to, to focus on themselves as a human versus I'm a swimmer, I'm a football player, I'm a track runner, I'm a insert whatever sport there is, right? And the idea that if we if we left parents and coaches and ADs and you know out on the outskirts, there wasn't an opportunity to reinforce that from all angles and to provide the athletes with as much effective and reinforced effective support and reinforcement as we possibly could. So as we're going through this and as we worked with more athletes and more teams and more coaches and more ADs, that's what's coming out is this idea of how to create this opportunity to enrich the culture that not only the athlete experiences, the parent, the teacher, or excuse me, the parent, the coach, the AD, anybody, how do we enrich that experience for everyone? so that the athlete feels the most supported and can optimize their performance both on and off the field and reach, actually I say, access their full potential versus reach it. Um, uh, again, for that cynical, you know, old school athletic director, you know, that's mm -hmm. listening somewhere and, and take a deeper dive after our break, but um, again, talk to them. Why should they get their coaches involved with this, their athletes? And again, you work with parents too. Um, you know, yeah, paint, paint them a picture. <laughs> yes. So I'll give you a very specific, very personal experience actually. And this just happened uh, relatively uh, recently. So 
there was an instance in which um, there was a young baseball player uh, who arrived at the game and was warming up, do all these things, everything about the situation. 10 minutes before the game, he was told, you are not in the lineup today. Not anything prior to this event was there ever going to be. We're only going to have a certain number of batters. It has always been played that all 12 of them go through the rotation. You know, there's an equal playing time, right? Player was devastated, absolutely devastated. Started crying in front of the team, didn't know how to handle it, didn't know how anything else. So going through the experience, at the end of the game, the athlete is still relatively emotional, still trying to figure out what the heck did I do wrong in order to quote unquote deserve this, right? Well, fun little fact, this was my son. And this happened just recently. And in speaking with him, you know, knowing where I'm coming from and the vantage point, I totally understand the idea of wanting to create a more competitive environment. The team has not necessarily been winning, hasn't necessarily, uh, you know, had had a lot of luck or fun, let's say, uh, on the baseball diamond. But it was never discussed that this was ever going to be part of the strategy. I can support that, though, right? You want to try to find a win, whatever the case may be. Unfortunately, they did not win this game either. And in talking with my son afterwards, you know, listening to him, I said, you know, what, what was going on, honey? Help me understand, you know, where you're coming from. He's like, I just want to go out there and show that I'm improving. He's been doing a ton of stuff behind the scenes. I want to be there for my team. I want to show that I can be a contributor. And I want to know what about me isn't good enough to have played. Rewind all of this, right? And asking him, well, hey, you know, after you were told if you weren't going to play, was there a specific conversation with you? He said, no, my coach didn't say a word to me. So then, right, it's that it's it's this specific instance that can create, you know, this idea of why people should care. And again, I, I'm saying this, I totally understand trying to find a competitive strategy. I'm, I'm never going to deny a coach a, a competitive strategy. What this demonstrates is this the idea of culture. If that was never discussed, right, at least have communication, right? This is all about building trust, empowerment, and ownership of what goes on in the game from every perspective. And what's also happening in this situation is that there are some parents on the team who are, you know, in the coach's era of we're not winning enough, we need to be more competitive. Totally understandable, not gonna deny that. However, you know, it's not just about putting the best because here's here's the other part of the story. The batting average of nine of the 12 kids is within four percentage points of one another, right? There's no standout, you know, right. wide disparity. This is why we care because now you have an athlete that has no idea why he was chosen or what about him makes him so different or so undeserving. Now you have a coach that doesn't feel empowered to make a decision that, you know, there's, there's parents behind the scenes saying, we need to do this. We need to do that. And in some ways, and I mean this as delicately as possibly can, you know, parents are now influencing a strategy in a way that's not in their lane. It's like parents stay in your lane, coaches pick one athletes, feel empowered to ask the questions. That's why this is important is because now you have these opportunities, even among youth sports of an athlete having no idea how to process this situation, a coach in some ways struggling to process situation and have a, a you know, 
line in the sand of this is how it's going to be and parents that are potentially crossing a line and not necessarily understanding the full picture, but coming at it from their athlete's point of view. Again, totally understandable, but there are so many different parts of this equation that are coming together, creating a situation that is toxic for everybody involved. That's why it matters. That's why ADs, coaches, parents, athletes, teams should care because particularly at this age, he's 12 years old. He's still a child, right? And and he's in that age right now where, you know, next year he could be a completely different person, have completely different talents simply because he's grown six inches, right? And so it's this idea of creating an environment where you feel empowered to make a decision from all parts of the equation. Lauren, I'm going to go out on a limb here and and say that that might be the first and maybe one of the very, very, very few times that someone has been able to encapsulate all of the, the varying, as you'd call them, factors that are colliding in this uh, world that you and I live in, uh, you know, called athletics and coaching and administration. Um, You know, a hundred years ago when I was a student athlete, it was the coach and what they said, you know, that was it. Okay. Um, and that's not right, wrong, good or bad. It's just, that's the way it was. Okay. Now it is much different, not right, wrong, good or bad. It's just, it's so much different. Parents are involved more, um, you know, coaches, um, might not have come with any pedagogical training of any kind, let alone, you know, self-esteem and, um, uh, emotional development, uh, SEL skills, um, and you, you've got the kids, um, you know, thrown in the middle, um, great, great summary about why, and yes, it is important for us to, uh, get better at this. I don't think there's a, a coach in America that would say, oh, um, mental performance training or mental coaching. Yeah, we don't need that stuff. They would all say, yeah, we need it. But now getting them to grudgingly, um, yield five minutes, 10 minutes, whatever it is that practice or that week to develop that oh so important quality. Um, that's the challenge. So uh, we're going to take another break. And then when we come back, Lauren Ammon, our guest today, is going to do a little bit of a deeper dive into performance reimagined, give us some uh, more examples of how it can work and why it's so very important for our coaches, for our EDs, for our parents, and for our kids to have access to it. So please stay with us. We're going to be back with some more. This is the Educational AD Podcast. We want to say thanks to Hometown Ticketing for their support. Hometown Ticketing is the leading digital ticketing provider to schools and to colleges. And if you go to hometownticketing.com, they're going to show you how to set up and sell your tickets online for all of your events, not just athletics, but things like school plays, concerts, dances, even graduation. And the best part, every step of the way, Hometown Ticketing is going to provide you with a dedicated client success manager that's going to be helping you. That's every step of the way. Go to hometownticketing.com and get started today. Simple and easy online ticketing. Welcome back, everyone, to the Educational AD Podcast. 
Our guest, Lauren Ammon, is the founder of Performance Reimagined. Lauren, in that last segment, you really hit on, I, I think, the why. Why is this important? Why should we care? And it's, it's obvious, okay? There's just so many things going on in the world of sports, whether it's youth sports or high school sports now, um, where coaches and even athletic directors uh, probably feel less than fully equipped to manage these. And, and again, the ultimate goal, help the student athlete come out as the winner. What are some uh, scenarios that you can share with our listeners that you have been involved with directly through Performance Reimagined um, success stories, if you will? So uh, once again, our, our listeners can really see and feel the need to reach out and get in touch with you. Yeah. So one specific example, I was, uh, I, I had, a, I made a great connection with a local athletic director here in the Cincinnati area and he and I hit it off. And in one of the first conversations we ever had, he's like, Hey, we've got this challenge with one particular team um, within the school. They're super competitive and competitive. I mean, very talented, right? They, they get, they see themselves in very competitive uh, situations. And it was coming up more and more that there was this disconnect between the athletes and the coaches. And, you know, one of our tenants at Performance Reimagined is that, you know, we empower players, coaches, ADs to develop their own success formula. And by that, we don't necessarily have a prescribed way that says you will go through these three steps or five steps or seven steps and become, you know, more fulfilled or have better performance. No, it's all about really understanding where the challenges are for each specific team, each individual athlete, parents and athletes, whatever the case may be. And so in this situation with a local high school team, it was that disconnect between coaches and athletes, not in a conflicting way. It was that they were just having trouble finding their jive, their flow. And so what we did is we created a one-day retreat that offered the opportunity for the athletes to come together to learn a little bit more about mental training, what it means, how you do it, how you do it in the moment, and did the same for the coaches and, and was able throughout that day to switch back and forth perspectives and, and helping each other understand. And with the athletes, it was all about um, because they were in a very competitive environment, because they're a very talented team, it was helping them understand that in the moment, there are ways to kind of calm the nervous system to settle down. And so we spent a good portion of the day, uh, really working through how to calm yourself in the moment, giving them some really practical tips that they could take away. I mean, something as simple as, you know, rubbing your fingers together for two minutes, that that was the biggest takeaway of that day of like, that's a, a way for me to calm my nerves. Switch to the coaches that day. And we were, and, and I had this whole thing planned out really all about how to be more communicative, how to really understand yourself as a coach so that you can meet an athlete where they are without bringing your history in the way you would perform um, to the game. And what actually came up is when I sat down to have this you know, open conversation with the coaches, it was more about, I'm having trouble communicating with the athletes. I don't necessarily know how to get there. And we talked a lot about the challenges that, come, that came or that are continuing to come, are still coming from COVID. And this idea that oftentimes athletes are communicating everything. This is what some of the coaches said, communicating everything. 
though not a ton at the same time. It was more of like, I want you to be in my life, but I don't know how to do it in such a way that you can help me. And the coaches felt in some ways not helpless, but it was more of like, I don't necessarily know how to connect with them. And so we did talk a lot about how to use your history as a coach, as a foundation for connection without making the athlete's experience about your history as a coach, if that makes sense. So I'll give you a specific example. They asked me, well, were you ever a swimming coach? And I said, no. And that was very intentional uh, because I knew even at a young age, I wouldn't be able to separate my experience, what I was able to accomplish as as a swimmer. I, I wouldn't be able to separate that. I would want that to be what all the athletes that I coached to experience. And I just remember at the time having at least that much awareness to be like, no, 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 I can't do those to the kids. I don't know how to do that. Fast forward to my own children. That's where it happened. I've had to take a step back and be like, whoa, 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 wait a minute. Their journey is not going to be my journey. And my journey has no bearing on their journey. So I've had to create this very uh, specific barrier, curtain, between me and my children. And that's what we talked about with the coaches. And the the outcomes of that day were that the athletes felt more empowered to calm themselves in the moment, to be able to, to get through uh, a competition. The coaches felt more empowered to have open and honest conversation with the athletes. One of the things that we really honed in on with the coaches was be more curious than directive. Right. So direct direction can often come from, well, here's my history. Here's how I did it. This is what I mean. This is what I do. And we worked on them being more curious, asking more questions, pulling more information from the athlete so that the coach can figure out, OK, at least I have a starting point from where I think they're coming from. Um, and it was it was a great session. Uh, it was a pretty big team. It was about 30, 35 athletes and four coaches. And it was one of the best experiences that we've had. Um, and they went off to have a great season. Uh, great stuff. I'm sure many of the listeners can identify to those, you know, types of conversations. Okay. I do have to ask, since I'm a fan, uh, you encourage the coaches to be curious. Is that before or after the, uh, Ted Lasso, uh, uh, phrase that's taken off, uh, be curious, not judgmental. <laughs> yeah, that was before though. I will say that is one of the best shows <laughs> to demonstrate all the stuff that's included in athletics that you normally wouldn't think about. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's a combination of my own experiences of, of learning how to do this with my children. Again, being more curious than directive. Um, and, and I credit a lot to that. My coaching certification as well is how to pull information from someone while also removing your lens from it and trying to be truly objective in that moment. Right. Yeah. You're going to need to reach out to uh, Paramount and, and Apple and they yeah. pay you some royalties for, for coming up with that phrase. No, I, I was just having that conversation with another athletic director about, you know, let's just take those three seasons of Ted Lasso. There's your professional development, you know, for, for the next, uh, you know, several years. So, uh, but we digress. Uh, Lauren, this has just been really cool to spend some time with you, find out a little bit more about, um, uh, performance reimagined we're going to do this at the very end but shame on me for not doing it earlier uh if one of our listeners wants to reach out find out more 
Um, what's the website? Uh, how can they uh, reach out to you directly? Absolutely. Uh, so you can find us on Instagram, which is at performance underscore reimagined underscore. Uh, you can find us at the website, which is performancereimagined.com. And uh, if I may, if you're open to it, uh, we are actually starting uh, a podcast as well. Uh, all It's called Beyond the Win. Uh, and we're actually connecting a, a more in-depth newsletter to that as well. That will, That is beyondthewin.com. So you can already sign up for that newsletter, but those two things will be linked. And the whole premise of the, sh of the show and the newsletter is to show that there is no perfect path to optimal performance and fulfillment. And the idea is that it's pulling on coaches, athletes, athletic directors, allowing them to outline their success formula and then letting listeners pick and pull from inspiration to try that as part of their own success formula. It sounds like another podcast where we try to share uh, best practices, yeah. but uh, no, very, very cool stuff. Thanks so much for sharing that. Um, but we're not done yet. Okay. Uh, we always wrap up our podcast with something called the athletic director's toolbox. Now, you're not an athletic director, but you certainly know your way around the world of athletics. So we're going to take our final break here from Athletic Surveys, who sponsor this segment. And when we come back, I'm going to challenge you to send out a brand new athletic director, maybe even a brand new coach, on their very first job. But I'm only going to let you put three things in their toolbox. So uh, please stay with us. Uh, we're going to take our final break, and then we're going to find out what Lauren Ammon is going to put into her new athletic director toolbox. We want to say thanks to Athletic Surveys for sponsoring the AD Toolbox segment of our podcast. Athletic Surveys are a quick, easy, and affordable way for you to collect comprehensive data that allows you to evaluate and improve your entire athletic department. Athletic Directors usually only hear back from the 2% that, that want to complain. And we need to hear back from them. But we also need to hear from the 98% that love and support our program. And that's where Athletic Surveys comes in. Uh, they're going to create a custom survey for your athletic department that allows you to take the pulse of the parents and your student-athletes. And that's a tremendously valuable tool to have when you're talking to uh, that squeaky wheel parent or your principal or even your school board. Go to athleticsurveys.com, check it out today. Let them help you take the pulse of your athletic department. Athletic Surveys by Lifetrack. Well, we've been visiting with Lauren Ammon, who is the founder of Performance Reimagined. Uh, but right now, I'm going to challenge her to send out a brand new athletic director on their very first job, but I'm only going to let her put three things in the toolbox. So Lauren, what three tools are going to go into your new athletic director toolbox? Oh, this is a great question. And I love that you set it to three. Uh, first and foremost, and this actually goes back to the, when we were talking about that situation on my son's team as an athletic director or a coach, set a culture, like be very intentional about the team you want to create and how you want players and or parents and or fans, whatever the case may be, to experience that team, right? So it's looking at it from both sides of the equation. But what this does is one, it allows you the opportunity to be very intentional about 
who you put on the team, how you interact with them on the team, but then also in those sticky situations, like we were talking about before of parents trying to influence is that you have something you can fall back on that says, look, here's what we all decided that we, that was success was going to look like as a part of this team. Here's how decisions are made. Here's how communication flows, set your culture. Uh, number two, find your own board of directors. So that could be additional athletic directors. It could be mentors outside of the athletic space. It could be those you admire from any walk of life, but people that you trust enough that you can go to them. They know exactly who you are. They can pick, they can pull, they can prod, they can challenge. You can also lean on them for any support and guidance moving forward. And number three, have fun, right? As an athlete, as a coach, even as an athletic director, that's what we all remember. I remember as an athlete, I remember more of like the silly, stupid practices and the laughs and the memories than I do anything else. And yes, of course, wins and losses are always recorded, but it's the fun that you'll remember along the way. So how do you infuse fun into that culture and into your board of directors to make the entire experience for you and your athletes and your coaches that much more enjoyable? Uh, I love that term. Find your own board of directors. Um, you know, great uh, visual for uh, you know building your network and getting out there. And of course, you know, why would we be in sports if it wasn't fun? Okay, great stuff. Exactly. Okay, Lauren. Once again, thanks so much for being on. One more time, uh, if one of our listeners wants to reach out, uh, find out more about performance reimagined, or just connect with you, what's the best way they can get a hold of you? Yeah, they can go on the website at performancereimagined.com or email me directly at lauren at performancereimagined.com. And go ahead and share uh, your new podcast. It's going to be coming out soon. Yes, called Beyond the Win, along with the newsletter. Okay. Lauren Ammon, Performance Reimagined, you know, Beyond the Wind and a whole lot more. Uh, thanks so much for coming on our podcast today and all the best moving forward. Oh, thanks so much, Jake. I appreciate it. This has been a great time. Oh, well, again, we appreciate you sharing today. For listeners, uh, we appreciate you tuning in. And we do this just about every day. And then we upload the Zoom recordings to the Educational AD Podcast YouTube channel. Thanks again for listening. We'll see you next time on the Educational AD Podcast.